0: Coming up this time, magical memories from Cluffy's hometown of Middlesbrough.
1: Everyone was always really proud of what he achieved and and when he did come back to sign his books, the the queue was, I recall the queue, I remember being in that queue with my mum because my mum knew his family like everybody else did and being told that the queue was, it's three hours from this point. That was <laughs> the, that because every single person seemed to have a story about uh, a memory to do with him, his, his family or, or some sort of links to him. And he, and he chatted to them all and absolutely loved it. But yes, yeah, so there was that lasting affection within the town.
0: Middlesbrough's Albert Park has a statue of Cluffy and it still attracts interest from around the world.
1: Only a few weeks ago, I was asked to do a, a guided tour for some refugees that, were, that they've come from all over the world. And I thought I'll take them through the park. I'll I'll show them around clubs house and I'll show them the statue I thought I don't know that the, whether that'll mean anything to them but they were absolutely fascinated ah. um, and, and that just shows that his name and what he stands for even to this day it goes right around the world and it, and it kind of unites people which is which is absolutely brilliant <laughs>
0: As well as all that, you'll hear how a small souvenir always reminded Brian of his goal-scoring exploits at Ersan Park. Plus, a Middlesbrough historian sheds light on Cluffy's passion for helping the
2: underdog. He was a champion of the disenfranchised, those you know those who he felt had been treated harshly, and you know it was true in Middlesbrough too. When um, there's campaigns for Wilf Mannion to have a testimonial, Clough turned out, and he was calling on the, you know the hierarchies at the football club then who. You know they wouldn't grant um, uh, Mannion use of Verson Park as a uh, a place for testimony. And Clough was one of the most vocal supporters, and he backed this campaign. And the, you know these these dinners, Clough was there to you know to make the case.
0: There are some classic comments from the archives.
3: I used to play centre forward, and believe it or believe it not, I used to score some goals. You know, you never believe it. But I had a bad week
0: if I didn't get three. All that to come, but now it's time to welcome my first guest. He's the editor of the football fanzine in Middlesbrough. It's a big hello to Robert Nichols.
1: Hello. And how are you? Nice to be really nice to be talking. I'm, I'm very well and I'm 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 looking forward to this uh, immensely because um I think our paths have not really crossed since the since the statue was was erected uh in, in Albert Park, which is I, I, I'm, I'm actually speaking to you. I live at Erson Park, which is which was the. I'm on the site of the old football ground, mm-hmm. and I'm about. I like a, a five-minute run from um, Brian Clough's statue. So actually, uh, the statue, the whole point, of the statue was it was him as a young man walking from his home, which is one side of the park, to Ayrson Park, where I am now. So it's quite apt, isn't it, this?
0: It is really, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, and I, I remember that day quite clearly when it was unveiled and, and obviously all the fundraising events that, uh, that were mm. held uh, for it. And we'll, we'll come on to that um, a little bit later. But the first question regarding the fanzine that you're editor of, it's called Fly Me to yeah. the Moon. For, for those that aren't Middlesbrough fans, where did the title come from?
1: Well, I think when it was it was back in the days of um, the late eighties when there was a real sort of surge of fanzines starting up all over the country, and everybody tried to to think of a, an interesting sort of non obvious title. If you look around at some of the titles, there uh, were, were, were some, some very peculiar fanzine titles at that time. And the Middleton one came about because uh, it was Bruce Rioch was was uh, the manager of Borough in from 86 and he's still there in 88 and we'd gone into liquidation in 1986 the gates of the ground where i'm I'm sitting now had been locked we had to play our first game at hartlepool and we were saved at the the 11th hour after the 11th hour actually i think there was 20 odd minutes left to to the deadline at midnight to save the club and the 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 players had, had trained on in local parks or, or anywhere they could, or, or school fields through through the summer without being paid. And Bruce and i would molded them into a team. And his his ambassador, his captain on the pitch was Tony Mowbray, uh, a, a local lad. And he said uh, he he referenced once. He said if he he, he trusted him so much, he was his right hand man. And if he had to go to the moon, he would want Tony by his side. So there, we, therefore. We look at the the, the famous song is the Moon."
0: Ah, that's where it comes from. That's that's mm-hmm. it. And and you you mentioned you live where Emerson Park was. So your yeah. your house then is that actually where Cluffy would have played?
1: Yeah, um, I'm just slightly. I'm a few yards off the pitch. Yeah. Um, if anyone ever wants to come up here, I can I can give you a guided tour because we have a few sculptures that mark parts of the pitch. So. Um, just beyond my garden fence, where I'm looking towards now, is 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 a, is like a, a bronze football in someone's garden, and that's the penalty spot. Ah, so 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 Brian Clough might have done his business, at, 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 so to speak, but might have scored a few goals from 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 around that penalty spot at, at this end of the pitch.
0: Ah, oh, that's so, inc- yeah, that's incredible to to think. Well, Cloughy always spoke fondly of Middlesbrough and the club, and the area really played a huge part in his life, didn't it?
1: Yeah, very much. He was one of, uh, it was a big group of brothers and sisters that that um, shared a house. And they were a very tight-knit family. Um, and and that, went, that went beyond, even when he was manager at Forest, it, it, his brothers and sisters used to come down and watch matches and things like that. And and it also meant that everybody in the town knew him <laughs> because it was such a big group of and, and so he would play football with his with his brothers. Uh, there's a photograph of him playing in a village team, which is village great oh, is yes. on the edge of the North East Yeah. And there's a there's a load of them. Half, half the team is is either his his brothers or his future brother-in-laws. Right. His
0: family. Yes, yeah. yes.
1: Yeah. And and uh, I think he was at his school. Um, am I right in saying that he might have been a prefect or something like that? so he was he was well known in that school to, to everyone who went to, to that school as well. and um yeah he was so he was he was very well known throughout the whole community and I know that that's a really interesting thing that just along from his house a few yards along from there near the park were football pitches where his his brothers would play and he would play as a young man. But one of the one of the star players that played on those football pitches was probably Don Reavy. Ah, uh, so it, it, it almost certainly would have watched Don Reavy. Yes, and of course their bats uh, crossed many times after big, that because ri- Don Don also a Middlesbrough man.
0: Yes, of course. Yeah, and and, and big rivals really in, in in the end. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's but, right. Um, All these years later, Clough is still very fondly thought of in Middlesbrough, even after he joined arch rivals. Sunderland, why do you think he's he's still remembered with that affection?
1: Well, first of all, when I think if you think back to when you were a little kid, your heroes are center forwards, aren't they? And goal scorers. Yeah. So for everyone of my my sort of I, I'm in my 50s, late 50s, everyone of my sort of era, every we were always John Hickton on the playground. He he, he was he was our centre forward. And anybody as a kid in the 50s, but Brian Clough was had to be the hero. Um he just scored so many goals. I did a book recently, Marcus, last year about about people's first Ooh. games called My, Bor- My Borough Debut. Yeah, and I, I interviewed loads of people, and and some of the people coming in the fifties. One guy said uh, exactly what we're talking about. Everyone was talking about Brian Clough. He was going to watch Brian Clough, and Brian Clough didn't score. Borough won, but Brian Clough didn't score. <laughs> what was that? what was going on? It just it, it, and and. 80, but he actually went on to score 42 goals that season, so he, he got like the one. <laughs> oh. I, I, but another guy, and, and, and is this is is this the best first match ever? And in some ways, the worst. He his first game, he saw Borough beat Brighton nine nil, and Brian close scored five. Oh yes. Is, yeah. is, is it a case? Is it a case of you, you, you've like <laughs> what is what is what his dad would have said to you know? It's not like this every week, son. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that would have been quite a match to uh, to have seen for those five goals. But that, but
1: that, so that's that's why he was so the, the guy was 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 scoring a goal a game, the season after season. He was just a, a a legend from that point of view. And the way that the football teams were set up in in those days were that, that you had a forward line, and their task was to feed Brian Clough, and so he was the he was the focal point of the whole team. So the fans that were aware of that as well he was the man that they were going to watch he was going to score all those goals and it was all for that lad who who, who missed out on his first game it was that, that shows the disappointment because that's what you went to see you went to see Brian Club scoring
0: it must have been wonderful going to a match virtually expecting him to to score it's what what every football yeah. what every football fan hopes for and Well, hardly ever gets. But uh, yeah, I can just imagine the excitement in those days. And it was just unfortunate, I guess, that Middlesbrough didn't get promoted while he was playing because they were letting too many goals in.
1: Yeah, and that was obviously, that led to uh, friction between him and his his teammates. In fact, he was... he was very precocious, wasn't he? Obviously, and he was from a young age. He knew what he wanted. And he knew what he expected. He expected very high standards from all those around him, And he was given the captaincy when he was a young man. And a lot of the older players were... were um, It certainly rubbed them up the r- wrong way. And uh, yes. he was very unhappy about the amount of goals that were being shipped. You can imagine if he scored three goals at one end and we let four in at the other end, he's, he's, he's not going to be really chuffed about it. And yes, eventually he goes to Sunderland. And you're quite right. Some of the fans... Should, to put this in context, Sunderland have uh, been our big rivals, and and some fans actually went from Middlesbrough to follow him to watch Sunderland ah, to watch him play. Wow! So that that's wow. that's like uh, yeah, it's an unthinkable thing to do. It was unthinkable for him to get Sunderland one, and unthinkable for fans to, to actually make that 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 journey. It was you know it there it, it, it must have. Felt like they were going over to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, it's a
0: bit like in his managerial career, having been at Derby and then, you know, some, yeah. but some years later, uh, going to Forest. But That's true. Uh, But he still has the affection of both clubs. And I, and I think he still mm. has affection for, uh, from Sunderland fans as well, as well as Middlesbrough oh, yeah. fans, of course. Um, do you think, looking back, Middlesbrough fans would have liked him to have been their manager?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mentioned Don Revie as well, and another name that got mm. away in, in in many many respects. Yeah. Um, and yes, absolutely, it's it's. If you look back, though, we had it, we had Jack Charlton through the through, through the seventies, and, and Jack Charlton was phenomenally successful, but mm. the, but he only would only stay anywhere for three years. So yeah, I don't I don't remember there ever be. I might be wrong, but I don't remember there ever being an opportunity. Really, uh, he was just so he was doing so well at his clubs at the time. I remember his playing against uh, against Derby, but. Yeah, I think, yes, always the feeling that could, could Brian Clough come back, but it was more likely that he was going to be the England manager than, than, than the Borough manager. But everyone was always really proud of what he achieved. And and when he did come back to sign his books, there were, the queue was, I recall the queue, That remember being in that queue with my mum because my mum knew his family like everybody else did and being told that the queue was, it's three hours from this point, that was the, the because every single person seemed to have a story about uh, a memory to do with him, his his family, or, or or some sort of links to him, and he and he chatted to them all and absolutely loved it. But yes, yeah, so there was that lasting affection within the town, um, and yeah, if he ever returned to to watch borough matches, it, it it was a big thing and lots of photographs, and because he did actually. He, on our final game at Essen Park, we invited back lots and lots of people, but he couldn't come. I think it was probably Forrest were playing. Um so he came the the, the match before and there's lots of photographs you can still find online of him with a with a borough scarf holding the borough scarf up. And yeah, it was obviously too late then for him to have ever be to be a manager, but uh, it was it was very it was quite emotional for him, but emotional for us as well. That he would, you know, he was there right at the end of Ayrton Park, um, the, the, the ground where he scored so many goals.
0: And there was a souvenir he received which reminded him of his goal scoring record at Ayrton Park, and he spoke about it in this little snippet from the archives.
3: I've got the bit of the goalpost, the wooden bit of a pencil, and I think it was the one, the post I used to hit uh, a lot of times during the season. I missed it about 40-odd times because he used to get 40 a season playing for Middlesbrough.
0: Yes, indeed, he scored 40 in his first full season and in the next three seasons scored 42, 43 and 40. And in the league, he scored 197 goals in 213 appearances for his hometown club. Here he is talking about the challenges of being a centre-forward.
3: People think it's easy scoring goals. Now, you... Name me a supporter that comes out of a football match irrespective of whether there's 60,000 there or whether there's 16 there who says or or who doesn't say he should have scored. Hardest thing in the world to score a goal and that's why so many get missed. I used to play centre-forward and believe it or believe it not, I used to score some goals, you know, you never believe it, but I actually got 250 odd in 270 games or something daft like that and uh, I had a bad week if I didn't get three
0: Well, funnily enough, his first hat-trick was against Nottingham Forest, the club, of course, he would later lead to European glory. And that hat-trick came in November 1956. It was three years later he won his two England caps against Wales and Sweden in October 1959, uh, with Jimmy Greaves in the same squad. And when he found out about winning the first cap, Cluffy told the Northern Daily Mail it was one of the happiest days of his life. He said he wanted to do well for the wonderful borough supporters who'd always cheered him on. And I think in a rare show of apprehension, he added... I just hope I don't let anyone down. It was certainly a family affair though. His dad Joe made the 9-hour coach trip to Cardiff along with some of his factory colleagues and there are more stories about those two England caps and his time as a Middlesbrough goal scorer in my book Brian Clough 50 Defining Fixtures which is available on the brianclough.com website and I'll sign it personally for you. Well, we'll hear more from fanzine editor Robert Nichols in a few minutes. But my next guest is Middlesbrough historian Dr. Tosh Warwick, and he's been telling me how a young Brian was influenced by his footballing surroundings.
2: Absolutely, he was. He was surrounded as a child. He, you know, by by footballing greats. You know, when he was coming through at the Borough, he, you know, he had people like Wolf Mannion to to look look upon. Um, people like you know Harold Shepherdson, George Hardwick. Um, you know the the names of. Um, you know, George Camsell, you know, the borough's record goal scorer who helped um discover Brian, um, you know, bring him through the borough ranks. Um, you know, he's surrounded by goal scoring greatness. And um no doubt that had a, a huge impact in in shaping his incredible borough record and his, you know, his attitude to Middlesbrough. And I, I you know, I do often wonder, you know, how much the you know the the debates around Wolf Mannion, who obviously tried to leave the club several times, might have shaped Brian's attitude further down the line as well. But yeah, he was he was surrounded by footballing greats not not just Middlesbrough greats, not just England greats, but you know people who would have in in today's game been global stars like you know the great Wolf Manion. He was
0: outspoken even as a player at Middlesbrough. Didn't always get on well with his teammates, I don't think, but uh, still a fantastic goal-scoring record.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean Brian Club um, from his very first season. Um, he, he put a transfer request in, which was um, refused by the the manager, Bob Dennison. He talked about how, you know, there's no way we we're going to let Brian leave. Talked about oozing confidence to shoot from every angle. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, he, he he seemed to divide um, his his teammates um, a great deal, and I always I always you know have the impression that the fans are very much on Brian's side on this one. They were you know they they, they perhaps were quite critical of how frugal the board were now, um, just as Wolf Manion was you know in the um, the decade before um, you know uh, Clough really broke through, and yeah, I suppose. Yeah, he's he's a divisive figure, you know. Infamously, the a lot of the Borough squad signed a letter in in 1959. I think it was, you know, saying that we can't have Brian Clough, you know, behaving the way he is. He should leave the club. Um, (laughs) Our captain can't behave in this manner. But having spoken to some of um, Clough's former teammates, Alan Peacock, um, you know, the England um, international, um, 1962 World Cup, went went on to greatness at. Um, at Leeds United as well. And Alan followed a similar kind of career trajectory. He moved on to progress, so, you know, just as, as um as Clough looked to when he moved to um our our arch enemy Sunderland. Um but when I spoke to to Alan Peacock, he said, you know, he never signed this letter. And it, it was, it's been probably taken out of context. There's always been these stories that him and um Brian clashed as well. And Alan said there's nothing of the sort. And, you know, and, and after after Clough left, you know, the the bird did struggled to to fill the void. But I think any team would fill the void of a, a player who's scored 38, 40, 43, and 39 goals in successive seasons. Obviously, he had the the England call-up as well. And you do wonder, mm. you know, those two caps in the 1959-60 season, how much that might have helped um contribute to turning his head, but obviously that was to be his you know, quite a limited international career, you know, even though, you know, you know, in September uh, 1959, he scored, I think there's five goals for the Football League in Belfast, you know, quite a, you know, incredible feat. And, you know, that was back in the days when playing for the Football League was almost akin to a, you know, an international cap, it was a huge honour, you know, and I think we we forget that when we, we look at these careers, you know, 50, 60, 70 years down the line. You know, there's, there's there's few people in the in in the history of the town that has had such a an impact that Brian Clough had on the on a sport, but but also communities, not just locally, not just nationally, but globally. Um, you know, we we talk about uh, Brian Clough as a football manager, a controversial character, but let's not forget he also had those strong um, you know left wing leanings that were shaped by him. You know. He knew, he knew what it was like to to be at ICI. He'd, he'd seen the the trauma and the the difficulties posed by living in a you know in in, in industrial um, environments. You know, and we had the same. women we were supporting miners, um, of course. Um, you know, so I think you know he, 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 there's a lot more to Brian Clough and, he, and his his Middlesbrough origins than than you know just looking at his um, you know Clough in a football shirt or you know Clough associated with the um, the borough.
0: In fact, I I understand he you know he could have been a Labour MP, but that the, the, the chance actually never came around. But uh, how do you think he would have been <laughs> as a member of Parliament?
2: I think he'd have been an absolutely fantastic um, member of Parliament. I think he'd have made um, um, Dennis Skinner look like a pussy cat. <laughs> uh, <you know, laughs> from uh, I, I mean, I, I just can't imagine the two of them together. You know. No. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, going back to you know, he was a champion of the underdog, the the disenfranchised, the you know those who he felt had been treated harshly, and you know it was true in Middlesbrough too. When um there's campaigns for um, for Wilf Mannion to have a testimonial, Clough turned out. He um, he gave he was there at the the dinner, you know, giving a speech, and he was calling on the you know the hierarchies at the football club then, who you know they wouldn't grant um, uh, Mannion use of Ayrton Park as a uh, a place for testimony. And Clough was one of the most vocal supporters. And he backed this campaign and the, you know, these these dinners um, to raise money for Wilf Manion who, you know, didn't enjoy the financial luxuries and the, you know, even the game of the um and um, the 50s, 60s, 70s, that, uh, you know, Clough was able to 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 enjoy, you know, and Clough was there to, you know, to make the case for uh, for Mannion who alongside Hardwick eventually got the the and Park testimonial, you know, back in the day when, you know, the club ownership was very different to, you know, Steve Gibson and, you know, someone who has such a love for the club, you know, as, as we're, we're lucky to have.
0: And talking of, of Steve Gibson, I mean, Cluffy had some uh, interesting comments about club chairman and owners o- over the years. How do you think they would have got on as a partnership?
2: I think Steve would have absolutely backed him. But Steve, you know, like like Brian, Steve grew up in a, in a working class part of the town, you know, he worked himself in industry again. He he played for the, the company teams later on, just as Brian played for um you know played over at Billingham Sinfonia. So I I like to think they'd have had a lot in common and I like to think they'd have been a, a fantastic double act if, if if Brian had ever become manager. And when you go to the Riverside Stadium today, we do have statues too of Wolf Mannion and and George Hardwick and you do have Um, You know, I've worked on the Football Club Archive, uh, which is an absolute delight. Um, You know, and I've, I've, you know, I've seen the mini books referring to Brian Clough and transfer requests. And, you know, and I think Middlesbrough and and Steve Gibson have a a pride in people who have done well from the area. And, um, yeah, I I expect the two would have got on. I imagine they would have clashed at points. But, you know, let's not forget you referenced um, Clough could have been a, a potential Labour MP um, of course, Steve Gibson was a Labour councillor in Middlesbrough. Oh. Um, you know, for a short while. They've clearly, clearly as, as youngsters, at least had the, you know, a lot of overlap, I suppose.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. They they they, they could have got on quite well there. Well, thanks ever so much for for sharing your uh, insight and uh, expertise and, and memories today. It's been really great to, to look back on uh, Clough's Middlesbrough days. So thanks very much for joining us.
2: Thank you very much, Marcus that's
0: historian dr tosh warwick sharing his stories and research into the legend of clough back now to fanzine editor robert nichols who was also involved in the fundraising for middlesbrough's brian clough statue and robert it really did show how much the town thought of him
1: yeah it sprang from the supporters and from people uh, from the town and uh, we did all sorts of events that were supported by so many people. Um, in fact, it, it was bungee jumping off, off the transporter bridge. I didn't jump myself, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. it's, which I don't know anybody knows. There's a, 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 listening to this, but it's a it's a fairly unique bridge. There's only there's only two in the country, one here and one at Newport in South Wales. It's a, a, like a flying ferry that's suspended from this bridge about 100 foot up. So people were. We we're, were bungee jumping off that. We we did a walk across the top of that as well, and we did lots of concerts and uh, all sorts of like pop bands and stuff. Not from here, I met band called not necessarily from here. sorry band called British Sea Power who, who have no links with Middlesbrough, but when they heard about oh Brian Clough, yes, we want to do. We, we we'd love to support that. So yeah. lots of people gave their services yeah. for free uh, and. And as I said at the start of this podcast, it, it just seemed the perfect place to, to put the statue uh, in Albert Park. And it, it was actually, as I said, my mum knew his family. Uh, and in fact, one of his brothers was her boyfriend at one time. And, and she, we between us, we came up with the idea, because it was a competition of the, the people. We said, it's got to be him as a young man, <laughs> a young man, uh, <laughs> going, marching across the park with, to, to, from, from his house to Ayrson to, to Park, where he's going to be training or playing. And it, and it was brilliant because he's looking out of the park entrance and he's looking toward, not only towards where St. Park was, but also where Rhea's cafe was at the corner, which was the family of Chris Rhea, the singer. And that's where he he met his wife and, and, and had uh, his first sort of dates uh, with his wife, but also where he used to meet Peter Taylor and where they where, it, where they concocted their, their plans, their future plans if they, if they ever should be in management together. Uh, so Really sort of poignant that he's looking towards the future in a way.
0: Definitely, yes. And uh, it was quite an emotional day, I remember, when uh, Mrs Clough uh, unveiled it and that there was youngsters from the local school uh, that actually pulled the drape away from uh, from oh, the sculpture. Um, it was a, a really a really good day. Uh, it's unfortunate, I think, though, that he's that the statue suffered a few injuries, like the man himself. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I think one was a was a, a fracture to the knee, uh, which of course ended, yeah. actually ended his career in in real life, his playing career. Um, and uh, there's a problem, I think, with the with the ankle as well. So it's almost like art reliving life. Life. yeah
1: yeah it was the same knee as well wasn't it it was it yeah. was very very odd i remembered we, because when we were fundraising i was part of the fundraising team and we had some of the family on the team and that was great because they were really strict with with the the uh the lady doing the sculpture they were really strict about getting everything accurate yeah and um, i remember them saying no no you haven't got the muscles right in the legs he had much and and if you go and look at that statue his socks have rolled down and 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 and, uh the calf muscles um (laughs) they're very sort of uh uh, like really but that's that that was the point that that they they said that that they weren't good enough at first so uh was it was really really interesting so i think you look at you look at him and you can see straight away he's a young footballer he's got the physique of a young footballer and and (laughs) <laughs> and the, those were the legs that could sc- score so many goals. Of course,
0: yeah, yeah. I think um, I think his brother Joe uh, commented um, on his uh, on his bottom and and said that <laughs> the backside needed to be a bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. I think he was joking, but uh, yeah, you were right. They, they were very specific about how, how it looked to j- just to get those details right, yeah. and and people still visit it today, don't they?
1: Do you know, uh, only a few weeks ago, um, I was asked to do a, a guided tour for some refugees that, that 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 they've come from all over the world, um, and um, I thought I'll take them to I'll take them through the park. I, I'll sh- I'll show them Brian Clough's house and I'll show them the statue. I thought I don't know that, that whether that'll mean anything to them, but they were absolutely fascinated, uh-huh. um, and and that just shows that his name and what he stands for even to this day it goes right around the world and it, and it kind of unites people which is which is absolutely brilliant
0: it is yeah it just brings it home that really what do you think um he would have made of Middlesbrough in modern days you know now in the championship
1: well it's he'd say you know it's it's save old save old but, but it's, it's the where he played his he plied his trade all those years in the championship we took all those it took us over 20 years to get out of it and yeah. yeah, he wouldn't be surprised in many many respects. I know he was excited when we moved to the new stadium because we were kind of ahead of ahead of the game in in lots of clubs. And yeah, it was. I, I think it was a thrill for him when he went to the Riverside to see that to, to see what we'd achieved in that point of view. And 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 he did get to see us when we were a Premier side and a Premier force. Um, so I suppose he'd be disappointed that we were, but not surprised in many respects that we find ourselves in the Championship. But I'm not sure what he would have made of football as it is now, because it's in his era. Of course, he was able to win the title with two provincial clubs, and that is that is so difficult. He'd have loved it, I'm sure. Leicester winning, but that 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 now, you know, we've just gone through COVID, and things seem to have become even worse from the point of view that you've got, Europe-wide, you've only got two or three clubs that have come, come out of it that have just got so much more money. And I think you've got a real problem now in that you could be faced with a situation where the, the same three go, more or less the same three go up and down between the Premier League and the Championship each season. Yeah, And Brian wouldn't yeah. like that at all. because uh, And he certainly would not have, have liked the, the Super League breakaway. But you would not like to see the fact that um, it's almost happening anyway because of some of those clubs having just so much more money than the rest. Um, And I I really wished when that Super League was put to bed that that at that point we seemed to have the momentum and we should have forced those clubs to have have paid out far more money for for grassroots. Because Brian came through as we said, playing for people like Great Broughton. He played for. Um, he played in Billingham, I think Billingham Synthonia, which were almost like um, uh, a works team. Um, so he was very much into the grassroots, and of course Nigel managed at, at at Burton Albion when they were before they were in the league. He was there about a decade, wasn't he? At first,
0: that's right.
1: Yeah, uh, and th- they knew all about that sort of situation. So that so it was that was the time I felt last year when those big bigger clubs should have been helping out, and not with loans but with actual finance. To make sure that it they looked after the rest of the rest of the game. Because they've got to they should re, they've got to remember where they came from. Manchester City almost didn't make that playoff final when they were in the third flight at that that time. They the one in they beat, beat Gillingham, didn't they, in, in, in um in extra time. And if they hadn't have gone up at that point, the the whole sort of dream that's happened there might not have might not have taken place. So yeah. Um I'm sure Brian would have an awful lot to say about what's happened. It would be fascinating to know um, there's so much that, 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 that he would have chewed over and he would have let us know exactly what his opinions were.
0: Yeah, it w- would uh, would have been fascinating to to hear, I'm sure. And uh, it's been fascinating listening to you as well, uh, and looking back at those cluffy memories uh, uh, from his hometown. Uh, keep up the good work with the fanzine and look after the statue uh, for us. And uh, Robert Nichols, thanks ever so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to speak to everybody and share uh, our love for for Brian and his memory.
0: And some wonderful memories there were too, thanks to my guests Robert Nichols and Dr. Tosh Warwick. And it got me thinking back to that day in 2007 when Middlesbrough's statue was unveiled. And there was, in fact, an exhibition just nearby with various bits of memorabilia, including an original green jumper, and that was displayed very carefully in a glass cabinet and if you have any memories you'd like to share then please get in touch via the brianclough.com website or email me it's youngman at brianclough.com and you can also see some of Clough's Middlesbrough history on the website I hope you can join me again soon when we'll share more memories of the great man in the green jumper